Well, have you enjoyed worship this morning? Amen. Amen. I hope that there's an awakening that is beginning to take place in your hearts and in your lives. And listen, we've dealt with some tough topics uh, over these past four or five weeks on what things need to awaken in our hearts. And uh, this morning is a a little bit of a different turn from that. And uh, so you're going to hear from a friend of mine here in just a second, uh, and he's going to kind of take over the sermon and the message with that. Uh, But I want to start with this, okay? And let me just share my heart with you as to why he's here, as to why this is an important part for us. Um, How many of you know of or know a family that has a foster care family? Anybody? Okay. Uh, How many of you are foster kids or have been adopted into a family? Anybody in here? Okay. Man, uh, one of the things that I think has gone by the wayside is somewhat the responsibility of the church when it comes to caring for children within our community. And I think one of the things that's taken place is that we have become so focused on our own kids and on our own lives uh, that there are children out there that need love, need to be shown the love of Christ, and we do nothing about it as the church. And so this morning, there is an awakening that's going to take place. And listen, you may be a foster parent by the end of the sermon. (laughs) Okay, please don't leave. Come back. Uh, Listen, I know that's a little bit scary for some or for some of you. But listen, I want you to understand, and I haven't talked about it much, uh, but Roe v. Wade changed a lot in our country. This is a prayed-for monumental decision that has taken place. But I want you to understand, just because a country makes a decision, the church now has to step in and support that decision. Listen, it is one thing to say, do not have abortions, do not abort your children. It is a completely other thing to say, let us step in and help you as a mother raise that child. That's what we do as the church. That's where we take on the responsibility of this. And so James chapter 1 and verse 27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world. I've read the book of James many times. I've preached through it. Uh, This is one of my favorite books of the 66. It, It just, it speaks to me. It is practical. It is easy to understand and it is packed full of a punch. When James, the half-brother of Jesus, is speaking this verse, there's a lot of confusion on what it means to be godly, what it means to be somebody that stands for God. And he says, here here it's put very simply. Do you know that a widow and an orphan are some of the people that will never genuinely be able to pay you back? How many of you, your kids at this point, have said, Mom or Dad, let me pay for lunch? Yeah. (laughs) Today's that day, kids. Maybe. But listen, the reason why he says this is pure for us is because it has no ulterior motive other than to show the love of Christ. And what you're going to hear from Shannon this morning with Families for Families is a message that's going to stir your heart and encourage your hearts because there is a foster care group that's out there that needs our help as a church. And listen, this may not look exactly like fostering kids, but this is a support system for those foster parents, and you'll hear a lot about that here in just a second. 
Let me tell you what's at stake as a church, as a country, as a generation. Do you realize that over the past couple of years, there has been a movement to change who adopts kids? And so if we don't step into this role, listen, our children will be raised in a completely different culture in a completely different way. Let me challenge you with this. What better home for a child to grow up in than a Christian home? What better home for a child to grow up in than a Christian home? And listen, I don't know about you, but sometimes my kids are inconvenient. One played softball into the championship game last night, and we drove back from Waycross, and we got home at midnight. Listen, sometimes it's tough to be a parent, right? But it's easy for us to show the love of Christ when the heart of God compels us to do these things. And so I'm going to introduce, I know that was a little bit longer introduction, uh, to Shannon. He's way nicer, way easier to listen to than I am. And listen, he's bald and skinny. So that's a change up for us uh, within this crowd and within this congregation. Shannon, come share your heart, please. Thank you very much. Yes, um, my name is Shannon Ramsey. I'm with an organization called Families for Families. Uh, we are a uh, faith-based child, foster child placement agency. Um, and and let, me, let me kind of sum all that up and maybe give some clarity to what that is. So instead of going through your local DFACS office right here in Chatham County, uh, you can come through an agency like ours. We're contracted with the state to facilitate the licensing process to be a foster parent. And we're a faith-based agency able to do that. I'm going to talk a little bit more uh, about that um, as I continue on this morning. Uh, but one, I want to just thank you for allowing me to be here. Uh, I give you a little bit of background for myself. I grew up right down the road in Statesboro. Um, and uh, yes, I was at the Georgia Southern game last night and got to watch a fun, exciting ending to that. Um, so, um, but I grew up down there um, and uh, got to me and my family overseas as foreign missionaries for about a decade um, and lived in South Asia for about a decade and um, lived in, and worked in that part of the world. Came back in 29. And while we were overseas, we ended up becoming an adoptive uh, family ourselves. Um, and then God brought us back to U.S. And if, if you know, anybody who's been a missionary and they come back from being a missionary overseas you don't fit in anywhere really <laughs> and and some people even go are you employable um <clears throat> you know to some extent but uh lord opened up the opportunity for me to uh, uh to partner with a good friend of mine who uh, started families for families and launched it in this part of the state so i'm the area director uh, our our, our, our hub in this part of the state is Statesboro. So if you go to our website and you see things, you see Statesboro, that's Pooler and Savannah and Chatham County too. Okay, so if you see that, don't get com confused with that. But what our goal is, is very simple. We recruit, train, and support godly homes that will love and nurture children in foster care while partnering through a local church. Because listen, just as your pastor shared, listen, we believe it's the, the, the church's role to engage in these efforts. And we want to uh, give the church an onboarding opportunity to engage in that effectively. Um, I, I run, in, I run in, uh, into people all the time and say, well, I call Dayfacts, and I never got a call back. I wanted to be a foster parent. I emailed this email that was on this way. I called this 800 number and never got a call back. 
Well, let me tell you something. You call me, you're going to get a call back. You email my office, you're going to get an email back. You may get more calls than you want, but you're going to get a call back. You're going to get a call back because we realize the need is great. What is the need? So I base this from my Statesboro location is because we serve an hour radius, Statesboro. Uh, roughly roughly seven to 800 kids are in foster care with an hour radius of Statesboro. Now, and you know where the bubble of that is? Right here in Chatham County. Three to 400 kids in foster care in the foster care system. Now that comes and goes. It ebbs and flows every day. And you know what? We as a church, we sit back and we, we, we watch the news and we say, hey, we want to help. We want to do something. And you know what ends up happening? We see something on the news and you see this ki- this, these kids. They're like, oh, man, what can I do to help? What can I do? You're four to six months too late. You know why? It takes four to six months to become a foster family. And you know what that child needed on that night? They needed a home. They didn't need a blanket. They needed a home to go to, to be safe. And so what we as an agency want to do, we want to give the onboarding opportunity for that to happen. Now, at the same time, I used to be a missionary. And not everybody's called to go overseas and spend their life for decades at a time as a missionary. And that's okay. We all have a part to play. We all have a part to play. We, as missionary, we always said you can, you can pray, give, or go. Actually, we would go, you can go, give, or pray. You know, because <laughs> we wanted to say, hey, we do want people to go. And by the time this service is over today, my question to the congregation is just simply this. Have you even thought about it? Have you ever been asked the question, does God want, listen, and that's the hard question. Does God want me to be a foster parent? And if he does, what is our answer going to be? And that's why it frees me up. Listen, I'm not the car salesman. I'm not the boat salesman at Bass Pro Shop. You see them, they come over there and you just go, no, I can't talk to them. I don't want to make eye contact. No, listen, you make eye contact to me. I want to hang out. I want to chat. I want to talk. And if you want to be a foster family, if God has called you to that, I want to help you in that process. If you want to help foster families, I want to help Pooler Bible Church engage in that, in that activity as well. This morning... I want us to look at a passage um, of Scripture, and we're going we're, we're gonna to go on a journey, and then we're going to bring it back around to, uh, to foster care. Um, but Luke chapter 15, very, um, a very, very uh, familiar passage of Scripture. Um, uh, Jesus is talking in Luke chapter 15. He gives some parables of, of, uh, with some themes of lost and found, of, 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 of being... Uh, lost and then reconciled and and he's given these parables to uh because he's meeting with these um pharisees and these these other religious leaders in the midst of his um a bigger picture a bigger context that jesus is is bringing and you know like i said coming with these concepts of lost and found rejoice and celebrate jesus pulling all that together in these in these parables through Luke 15, we're going to hone in on the parable of the prodigal son. If you have your Bibles, we're going to begin reading in verse 11. Um, and he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will rise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, was dead 
and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. Guide us through your scripture. Guide us to how you want us to um, apply this scripture to our lives. And Lord, help us to see how we can serve you faithfully in all that we do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. You see, one of these son, sons chose to disregard the father and all um, that, that had to do with him, while the other son stays faithful to the duty of being in the father's household. This concept of staying in the father's household, it can be very difficult for us to understand in our American culture because what do we do? We say, uh, husband and wife leave and cleave, and then when it's time for uh, the, the, the son to go out, go leave and cleave to that other wife in a new home and a new place and, and go that direction. But in this Eastern culture, the family unit is extremely, um, is extremely important. And fathers and, and, and children, they stayed in the homes a, a whole lot, you know. So these sons, even as they were older, they were staying together. But we can even see, I remember in my own family situation growing up, my grandfather was somewhat of a patriarch in that situation to where we all gathered around there. And that became that a familial and patriarchal uh, foundation for us as a family. And my, fa- my grandfather, um, he, he, he and my grandmother, if they blessed our family, our, our, their kids, so my mom and her brothers and sisters, and they blessed the grandchildren, that was a big deal, you know? And that's what was going on here. This father is, 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 is engaging in blessing his children, and he had a blessing for them. This younger son, he just happened to take it, um, take it in a much more um, unique way, taking everything early, which was very disgraceful. But as we think about the details of the story, what we must realize um, is the ultimate context of what is going on. And one scholar, uh, and I believe he gets it right when he says this, um, as he describes this story, he says the overtones are strong and that we surely cannot ignore them. This story is the story of Israel, in particular of her exile and restoration. The exodus itself is the ultimate backdrop of this story. Israel goes off into a pagan country, becomes a slave, and then is brought back to her land. But exile and restoration are the main themes. And this is what this parable is all about. You see, exile and restoration, this is a central drama that Israel believed herself to be acting out. And the story and restoration... And it would prompt us to ask this question, where do we stand with the Father? In exile or restoration. You see, these two sons took a very, two very different approaches. They stood with the, one stood with the Father, and one of those sons took off away from the Father. One uh, of these sons, the most popular one, chose to disgrace and dishonor his father and run off and squander the blessings that were given to him. You see, he definitely was living in exile. The other son chose to stay and do his duty to be with the father, so apparently he was not in exile. You see, exile can be a very interesting thing, especially in, the relationship, in our relationship with the Lord. The funny thing about exile is this. God never leaves. He's never the one who's gone. We are. We are. <clears throat> Spiritually and emotionally, we can begin to live and act in ways that begin to take us far away from him. And we lose sight of what, sight just of how loving he is. There are some who would <clears throat> even begin to rationalize in their own mind that the father is not loving. And it comes out kind of like this. We begin to say statements like this. And listen, we can all be 
probably have been guilty at some time of saying some of these things. Well, if he was loving, he wouldn't let that happen. You ever heard anybody say that? If God was loving, why would he let that happen? Or he's too restrictive in what he asks of us. You listen, that God has given us parameters within his word to guide and direct us because he loves and cares about us. He wants to give these fences that come up that God gives us in his word are not to harm us. They are to protect us. They are to serve us. They are to help guide and direct us so we can have a lasting relationship with him. But yet, when we move far away from him, we start to look and we see, oh, that Bible is too restrictive. It's this archaic thing that just weirdos start to follow. You know, why are you want to believe in that? But in our exile, he's too restrictive. And here's the most wonderful claim. Like in Jeremiah 29, 11, Jeremiah is speaking to the exiles. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. These words are were to those who were in exile. The desire of the Father is to care for us, to provide for us, and to give us a future and a hope. Now, what about restoration? Just as Israel's story the and the national... Jesus. Now, I, I, I don't harp too much on this, but it is noteworthy to say, do you realize that what we believe as Christians is weird? Now, let me ask you a question, Pastor. How celebratory is Easter? Is that like one of the most fun times of the year? Do y'all realize we're celebrating the fact that a man actually walked on the planet, the God-man walked on a planet, died, was buried in a tomb, and oh yeah, rose from the dead? That is not the latest Marvel movie being enacted and told. That is not a fairy tale. That is history. And that is weird to the outside world. It is weird. But that is what we, living in restoration, that is what we are about as believers. And what was interesting is Jesus was talking to these Pharisees. He was, he was trying to say, listen, just as in Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5, look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded. For I am, a doing, a, I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. You see, Jesus was doing something that those leaders had no clue about. And he was doing it in a way that they just did not have a concept about. So we have to think, where are we living? Are we living in exile? Are we living in restoration? You see, God wants to bring us to restoration to himself. Now listen, there are folks who come into the church and they are wayward. They know they're the wayward son. They know that they are. And they go, I know that I'm far away from him. And God's saying, and Jesus in this parable is saying, come home, child. With arms open wide and running out. However, in many church communities today, this exile looks like this. We've been sitting in church for many years. We've served on many committees. We have fed the hungry and done a lot of good works as the elder brother had done. Always experienced the true restoration or where we stay and on the outskirts and sulk, missing the kingdom altogether. You see, even in the church, we can get upset when we see the kingdom going forth and people coming to restoration. And if we're not careful, we have the heart of the younger, the older brother who's just going, why does he get all the attention and not me? I've been here all the time. And that's not the attitude that God wants us to have. 
Now, I know you're sitting there going, okay, Shannon, that all sounds really good, but what does that have to do with foster care? Let me tell you. You see, deal with the issue of foster care who are losing their children who are not able to care for their children they are the younger son still wallowing with the pigs and generally not near nowhere near restoration at that point but they need it they need somebody to walk with them and guide them and direct them and unfortunately these children they are the collateral damage of that wallowing in the mud And God has called us as the church to help be a part of that restoration. And agencies like ours, we don't just walk you through the licensing process. We come and we support you as well. And what does that look like? Well, we have a case management staff that walks with you when you, when you receive children into your home as a foster parent. We have... Uh, we work to provide the diapers and wipes that you might need. I had one of my foster families share this one time in a meeting that we were having. She goes, I can count. She'd been fostering with our agency for about a year and a half. And she goes, I can count on one hand the number of times I've had to go buy diapers. Because that's one of the things we do at Families for Families. We partner with churches and other places to, hey, get diapers together and get them to our foster families. We provide what we call a date night once a month to so that foster families can drop off their foster kids and their biological kids if they want to, and they can go out and have a date. I've had some folks say, I ain't been on a date in forever. What I go do? I said, I don't know. Go take a nap in the garage. I, or not a garage. The, the parking lot. I apologize. In the parking lot. Take a nap if that's what you need to do. But right now, we got your kids for the next three hours. And we partner with churches to say, hey, would you like to put on a date night? You know, so that's how we partner with churches. That's what it looks like to serve foster families. We work to provide meals so that our foster families, through all the chaos of what they're dealing with, they don't have to worry about dinner. All they got to do is pop it in the oven and it's ready. So we at Families for Families, we walk alongside you. We walk alongside you. Now this morning, I don't know where you are, and I don't know if you've ever been asked the question, do I want to be a foster family? Well, if you do, listen, we want to give you that opportunity which leads us to kind of a next steps in all this. So next week, I know you guys got a lot going on. We've got some of these floating around um, this morning. We are launching currently, right now, we are launching what we call the Banner Church model where we, we surround foster families. I got, I got a, not as many of these as I do these here, but we are trying to surround these foster families with people who can help them and we have an infrastructure that we can help build that and, and we want to help you know how to do that and, and get, get engaged. You know what? You may be sitting here this morning and as important as foster care is and it is extremely important for us to engage and go in that direction. You may be sitting here this morning and, and you, you heard this story that, that Jesus is telling and you're going, you know what? I think I might be living in exile and I'm not, I don't even have a relationship with the Father. That may be your next step this morning. I don't know what that is. All I know is this. Is that God wants to do a work. And he wants to do such a work that we may not even realize what he's doing. And we, it may not be what we expected. You may have never thought, hey, 
maybe I could be a foster family. Maybe I, I need to have a relationship with the Lord. Maybe I can support a foster family in one way or another. We want to be that faith-based onboarding pl platform for you to do any of those things. Because you know what? We're going to share the gospel with you too. And you know what a win is for us in foster care? So two weeks ago, uh, I placed, we, we were able to place from this area, place four foster children into three different homes. Okay? That was on a Thursday afternoon. You know where they were at Sunday morning? They were in church. Probably for the very first time. That is a win for families for families. Listen, uh, as the band comes up, we're going to get ready to have a, have a time just of, of prayer and reflection this morning. I thank you for this opportunity. I pray that, that God will have his will and his way in your heart and in, in mine as well. So that we can just be obedient in whatever that is. God has called us to serve him. And we have to sometimes just, sometimes we just need to know where that onboarding process is. And if this is one for you, man, we'd love to walk with you and talk with you about it. I'll be here after the service. I'll be happy to answer any questions I can. I'll be happy to serve you in whatever way I can. And, and before you leave today, don't forget to grab one of these if you, you've got some interest in one way, shape, or another. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the privilege of being able to serve you. I thank you for your word. I pray this morning, Lord, that you just have your way in our heart. Help us to serve you faithfully. Help us to, to, to walk with you um, in this relationship that you, you so graciously give us as you bring us into restoration out of exile. And God, I pray that if, if someone wants to know what it means to be a foster family, I pray that you'll help us, help us to partner together and, and onboard together in that process. God, have your will and your way this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.